This is Brian Croft. Welcome to another edition of Trench Talk, the podcast of Practical Shepherding. And I'm joined again with Jim Sebastio. Jim, good to see you. You as well, Brian. Thanks for being here. Uh, Before we dive into the topic, I want to mention just a couple of quick things. One is, please go to practicalshepherding.com if we can serve you in any way. There's a ton of resources there from books to other podcast episodes. Um, Feel free to, to help spread the word of the ministry through your social media and other just people that you know, pastors who might be helped by this. The other thing I want to mention is if you want to help financially support the ministry, that would be a, a big help to us. There's a there's a donate link on the website. You can go to practicalshepherding.com and, and you'll find it in the about section. To go there and you can give online, it helps cover the expenses for all the ministries we're, ministry we're doing, uh, including this podcast. So if you've been helped by this or the ministry in any way, uh, please consider being a financial partner with us. We, uh, we need those and we appreciate those who are supporting us in that way. Jim, we had a question that was sent in to us that we were really both intrigued by, something I think we agree that pastors, pretty much every pastor has to wrestle through in one way mm-hmm. or another, and that's this balance between having a tender heart and yet tough skin, that we're in the business of loving and caring for for uh, souls, for sinners, for people who um, are hard to love sometimes, and yet... Mm-hmm. Uh, we we have to deal with a lot of adversity or people who are against us and come against us. So there's this, that's kind of the phraseology that's used around this idea is a tender heart but tough skin and having mm-hmm. that balance. And we would both agree that to be to be a pastor who can last in the ministry and have joy in the ministry, you've got to have both of those, wouldn't you say? Absolutely. So how do we think about this biblically first before we get into it? Yeah. And, and again, I appreciate the, the the tone of the the note that was sent in right. about that because I think it's – he's obviously referencing the fact that you do need some tough skin if you're going to be in ministry. Yep. And the fact is you may be given that tough skin. You may and, not have it coming out of seminary. No, but but once you get it, you're gonna. The temptation is to lose your tenderness of heart. That's well said. And the yep. temptation is, if you are tender-hearted, you're you're gonna. And if you don't have a tough skin, ministry is gonna eat you up. Yeah, that's good. Because you're not gonna be able to survive. You're gonna. Your health is gonna break. Your mental or your physical health is gonna break if if you don't have a tough skin to some degree. And so the question is, how do you? You know, how do you go from saying like, "Well, man, I used to care about all this. I don't care anymore." You know, I just becomes, do it. Become jaded, yeah. yeah, jaded or cynical, or yeah. again, really, maybe in this case, it's just it. It's not so much that you know. It's not the cynicism of this isn't going to help. It's just that you know, I used to care about people. I used to be one of those guys wanted to be there for everybody. I used to pour my heart out. I used to welcome people in my home. You know what? You know, so you know, Paul addresses this in in a, in a couple of places, and I thought it would be you know helpful, Brian, just to start as okay. always with some scripture, right? And so I, I think in, there's one text I'm gonna I'm gonna read one first that is more tough skin, and then one I think that that deals with tenderness, but also there is with this a, a hint of this tough skin too. So the okay. the tough skin passage that I thought about when I when I got that. Uh, that note from this brother was 1 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3, uh, where Paul says, But with me it is a very small thing that I should be judged by you or by any human court. In fact, I don't even judge myself. And what Paul's getting at there, you know, you read First and Second Corinthians, 
among the many adversities in the Corinthian church was there there had come to be, as a result of some of these so-called super apostles that had come in, they had undermined the confidence of the Lord's people in the Apostle Paul. Right. Paul said he was going to come. He didn't come. Paul didn't really care about you. Paul didn't really love you. And and, and Paul had to you know, realize, listen, if, if I'm overwhelmed by how people think about me, it's, 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 I can't uh, function. I, I can't, yeah. I'm not going to be able to function. Yeah, so I he can't says, do what I need to do. He says, ultimately, you know, it's a small thing for me to be judged of you. Uh, that takes a lot of that. That's hard to do. Now, so I think there are some people more constitutionally suited for that uh, to be able to say, you know, that criticism rolls off of them, or that they don't, you know, that, that it it they. Uh, I, I wonder about some people online that get just constantly hammered for everything they say. Um, you know, that, that there's they may get some support, but for every note of support, there's. 50 to 100 tweets negative about them. Yeah, and and I, actually, I know some of these people, and I think, how do you keep going? And why do you keep going? How do you keep putting yourself out there? Why do you stay on Twitter? Why do you stay on Twitter? Yeah. Right. You know, <laughs> if, if I were constantly bombarded with negativity, be, yeah, right. and if in a congregation, you know, that whatever it is, you, you know, we don't like your preaching. We don't like your family. We don't like your wife. We don't like the way you dress. We don't like the way you look. We don't like the illustrations you use. We don't like, you know, whatever it is, and, you know, you're, 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 you're a buffoon, you're this, you're incompetent. You know, guys get that all the time. Yep. And, and how do you then get up the next week in the pulpit and not just unload uh, on the congregation back? So, yeah, that's so good. tough skin. That's how tough do you skin. keep loving them? How do you welcome the new family when you realize, I'm going to welcome them, but if I welcome them... And if I love them and pour myself into them, the more I love them, the more they have a potential to break my heart. To do right? what this this family just did to right. me. This other family raw. just did yeah. that, right? And so the other text, Brian, that came to mind is Second Corinthians twelve fifteen. And here he says, uh, "I will most gladly spend and be spent for your souls. Hmm. If I love you more, am I to be loved less?" Hmm. And so here's here he is saying, listen, your lack of love to me, which he obviously feels. So that's tender heart. It's Corinthian church. It's the Corinthian church. Yeah. That hurt. Mm-hmm. But it didn't prevent him from loving them, and it didn't prevent him from being paralyzed by their criticism or by their lack of love. Mm-hmm. And so I think those are the, the two dangers— of the of the tender heart, you know, is to be is to be paralyzed, or to grow hard hearted. Right. Th- those are the two. Those are the dangers of love, mm. because our love. And Paul brings it out here. Our love is not always going to be reciprocated, and sometimes loving, as we're going to talk about another episode, means saying or confronting some things. That you realize, no matter how careful you try to be, how cautious you try to be, how balanced you try to be, it's just not going to be handled well. And and they are not going to say to you, brother, thank you so much for being faithful to me. Thank you for doing the hard work. Hmm. It's you're an evil man. You're a legalist. You're a heavy-handed shepherd, and I'm going to let everybody know. Mm-hmm. And I will spend whatever the rest of my life is undermining your ministry, and they become your personal Judaizers. Yeah. You know, following you around, and, and you believe in your own heart. Yeah, I, I know I didn't do it perfectly. All I was trying to do was love you. Yeah, that's really helpful, Jim. I think those two passages capture well the 
let's call it. I mean, let's call it a paradox uh, of yeah. needing to the, the pastor. We're called to love people, and yet it's not just hard things happen in ministry. People do and say hurtful things to us, and so in the midst of trying to love them, as you just articulated, so that's really we want to we want to first just put in front of you this reality. So every pastor has to face this. I think we want to challenge you to think about where are you most prone to error on mm-hmm. one side or the other? Mm-hmm. Because I think you kept, I think you said it really well. Either we're, we err on the tender-hearted side and we're paralyzed with fear about what's going to happen or what people think of us or whatever it is. And then the other side is bitterness and, and you become jaded when uh, your tough skin overtakes your, your tender heart. And, and I think that, that is, it's amazing how much pastors really favor one side or the other. So that would be the first thing I'd want to put out there. Yeah. So my, my wife was mentioning the other day, we met with a, a, a local pastor and his wife the other night, uh, had him over just to encourage them and talk through some issues. She was struggling with the new ministry and yeah. kind of her place in it and kind of missing her husband who was eaten up with a lot of, of yeah. duties and responsibilities. And, right. And uh, it's interesting, and, and Brian, you actually, I'll, I'll tell you off, <laughs> off record who these ladies were, yeah. but two ladies whose husbands had had very difficult ministry, some hard, hard things in their ministries, gifted men and useful men, but it had a lot of hard, I mean, had gone through church splits, nasty church splits in one case, hmm. where one case a church split and the other case where they were essentially asked to leave after 10 years or more. And my wife would often ask, was it we were, this is 1993 or so mm-hmm. when, uh, so I'd been at it for three years. I'm, so I'm 30. Yeah. Uh, and Becky's 20 something, you know, and um, she asked these ladies, you know, so what advice do you have? And well, she'd always ask older, older pastors, wives, what advice do you have? And the advice of these older women was don't get close to people. Wow. Yeah, I've heard that. I've heard that reaction too. You know, and so these are women that her yeah. husbands had been 30 years in ministry. They'd been beaten up, spit out, you know, and it wasn't that they didn't have people who love them, wasn't that, but it, the rawness of the pain of witnessing their husbands come home from meetings where mm. they have been dragged through the coals, uh, where their accusations of, of, of who they are and what they are and their competence and their love and, you know, all of this stuff, all this suspicion laid out about who they are and what they are. And uh, they see their tender-hearted husband who selflessly sought to love these people just yep. get, get hammered, get yeah. slaughtered. And they say, you know what? These are the people we were closest to sometimes, the people we had in our home, we spent a lot of time with. And and so, I mean, that the pain of that kind of betrayal is far more acute, you know, than it is with, you know, we've had some folks that recently leave our church. They've been there for some years, but they were never really integrated into the life of the church. They yeah. didn't. They weren't there for things. It, you know, and so that's sad, but it doesn't hurt like it does. I mean, there are some people you realize. You know, I have given you. <laughs> I have so exposed my soft underbelly. Mm-hmm. You know how to stab and where to stab and to cause the most pain. I'll never forget when I was reading, this is years ago, uh, uh, in the early years when things were really hard at our church. I remember reading Spurgeon's autobiography. Mm. And I remember when I read the portion where Spurgeon said, 
when your brother betrays you. And I remember thinking to myself, when? You yeah. mean, hope, you know, if, right? Not, not when. Right. And it was a matter of months that one of my dearest brothers yep. be- at the church betrayed me, and I walked through the exact, that prophetic voice of Spurgeon in that moment for me. And so I think we have to recognize that ministry is going to bring, bring pain and disappointment in these ways of people we love. I think what's fascinating, Jim, about the story you just told about those ladies is that we all think that. Like, we're all tempted to think. So the answer is, don't get close to people, and you won't get hurt. Like, all of us have entertained that idea. I think what's what's amazing to me in that moment, it's a great illustration for this reason. They didn't have an awareness of what they were saying, in a sense. Like, that was mm. that real, like, they were giving advice to your wife. Yeah. And I don't That's know actually that, the solution. I don't know that they would have still said that later on. But, but it they sure the pain felt was, that, yeah, it was so acute. Right. It was so raw that their answer to it is not get out of ministry, but it's just don't allow yourself to get close. Right. Keep a distance, keep an emotional distance to preserve your physical and mental well being because, Brian, it's hard to shut these things off. It, it's That's hard right. to shut off, you know, um, the email of resignation. Uh, uh, somebody, you know, we just, I'm done. We're out of here, and you know, whatever it is. And it's not just that, but and then you know they're going to go to other people in the church, and they're going to try to undermine, and and to. You know, how do you respond to all that? And this isn't really the, the subject of this because that's a whole other thing to talk about. When do you defend yourself? When do you, you know, you know do, you, do you deal with this? Does it become a disciplinary issue, whatever? But we're really trying to deal with the fact that, that this hurts. And that the text that I thought about, Brian, when you were talking, Psalm 55 and verse 14, it's a, that's a passage about betrayal. We used to take sweet counsel together within God's house and walked in the throng. Mm-hmm. And that yeah. person, again, has a peculiar uh, ability you know, to, to harm and to hurt. And the temptation then is, again, to say, I'm not ever going to allow that to happen again. And what I mean by that is I'm never going to love that way again. Yep. And the question is, how do you continue to love that way and not be paralyzed or crippled right. by the sense of betrayal or hurt or wound how do you how do you say listen it's a small thing of me you know he judges me as the lord so i think we have an answer to the question really almost in there and maybe Brian shoot well, that to you how do you how do you allow yourself to sleep to rest to carry on you know, maybe you feel like, okay, there were areas where I failed. You know, they're, they're not, it's not like the accusation is so far off the wall that, you know, you could have done something less than competently. And Let, let's, let's go there. That, that's where, where I want us to go for the rest of the time is that, so we've established that this is kind of the world we live in, but, but how do we go there? How do we, how do we have both of these things at the same time? I will say this just to be on record in light of our conversation. The answer is not don't get close to people. Exactly. The That's answer, what we're saying. The answer is point. not shut your emotions down so nobody right. can hurt you. Right. I say that because that is a really common way people Obviously. deal with this. Obviously. The answer is also not expose your underbelly to anybody and everybody mm-hmm. without any wisdom. That's not the answer mm-hmm. either. So right. before we talk about solutions, I want to at least be on record for that because I, I think many listening to this will will relate to the fact that that's how we try to deal with this. And we got to be aware that we shut ourselves down. 
We don't want to get close to people is, is kind of the way, and that's an unhealthy way to deal with this. Right. One of the ways that I have found helpful in doing this is you have to, you cannot sort through this in a healthy way, emotionally or spiritually, without seeing the providence of God in the midst of all these things Excellent. that are hurtful to Excellent. you. So we have to start there. The moment we all of a sudden say, I thought this person was my friend, they betrayed me, they shouldn't have, that was wrong, and I'm not going to go there again. You know, I remember some. I remember when I've dealt with some of the worst betrayals in the church to me and some of my closest people hurting me. Mm-hmm. That I remember the crossroad. I can. I, mean, I can. Rem- right now, I can visually remember. I was driving my car, in tears, hurting in yeah. incredible ways. Yep. And I remember saying to myself in this moment, "This is the moment. I'm going to choose to trust that God's working in me mm. and in this situation and is making me a better pastor right. and a more loving, more like Jesus in this. It, and if I don't believe that." I remember that moment. Like this is the moment I'm gonna I'm gonna just give yeah. up and start being jaded. So I would start there. You have to you have to see that God is sovereign and is good and is working in our lives to make us more like Jesus, better pastors, even through these most painful things. So that's the first thing I think we have to have in front of us, or we cannot find the balance of those two things. Yeah. So I, Brian, I'll pick up on that a little bit. I yep. think we need to be mindful of Satan's desires in the midst of this. Sure. This, how does Satan want to use this? Yep. How does he want to use it in my life? How does he want to use it in their life? How does he want to use this in the congregation? We are not we are we are we are not unaware of Satan's devices. And then Brian, as you said, we need to remember divine design. And my wife again had a great little s- saying about some things, uh, you know, the Lord is king. The Lord is king, and not this person who left, not that person who left. They're not king. Yep. They they're don't not decide. the judge of they're your not, ministry They're, they're not the judge, yep. you know, and, and it's having that sense that for all my faults uh, and all my failures and all my shortcomings, God truly does know my heart. The Lord Jesus knows I went into that with no design other than to honor him and to do good. And the fact that it didn't have the result that I wanted it to doesn't mean that it failed. Yeah, uh, it doesn't mean that I failed in His sight. Right. And, and then, Brian, I think the other thing, and, and we've talked about this several times here, and then also just in our private discussions, uh, bringing in that whole matter of lamentation and yeah, and, lament, and that right. and that, which is faith-filled sadness before God, right? Often rooted in circumstance, right? And, and so I don't want to get bitter. I don't want to go sour. I don't want to have others who would benefit from my nearness and love face the consequences of somebody else's actions toward mm-hmm. me. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's not right to do. Right. And, and, and to trust God for the future and then live with an eye toward the judgment. I mean, Paul did that. You need to, you need to set, so he talks to Timothy about that in Second Timothy, it's, it's, you know, uh, preach the word in the sight of the one who's going to judge the living and the dead. Yep. You're not going to stand before your congregation in the last day. You're not going to stand before the disgruntled, and you're not going to stand before your biggest fans. You're going to stand before the one who judges the living and the dead. And that's an excellent point, but here's, the, a, a, here's a wonderful picture of the, just the paradox of being a pastor. We will not stand before our congregation. We stand before the judge to be judged by mm-hmm. our ministries, but they will be standing with us. Mm-hmm as those that we will give an account for. Right. So that is the interesting, just the fascinating picture of this. You think about it. Jesus is the one that judges mm. our ministry ultimately. Mm. But the reason, this maybe brings this full circle in a really helpful way. 
the the tender heart and yet the tough skin is what allows us to be able to stand before the judge in that day and have these people broken sinners many of them even who have hurt us at different mm-hmm. times and we've hurt them standing with us because we get we're giving an account for them in that moment yeah and Brian maybe I'll make this my last word on this okay. is that uh, I had a, a pastor friend uh, in in the midst of a, a very very dark and difficult situation he put on I can't remember if he had it he had it tacked on somewhere maybe it was on his bathroom mirror or somewhere when he would get up and he would see it and it simply said for him for them hmm. and, and I good. think that is the way in a sense when you know it's for him small thing for me to judge of you mm-hmm. for them I'm going to love you with all my heart that's good my final word on this, I would probably build on the excellent comment you made about lamentation in the midst mm-hmm. of this, and that's to deal with this in an emotionally and spiritually healthy way when you face these things, to find the balance. You have to have a safe, trusted person or persons you can talk to about it. To keep this bottled up when someone hurts you and you don't have anyone to express it to. And I would say, obviously, you need to bring your spouse into this. But you also have to have, that's why you need friends in the ministry. You need other pastors in the ministry. You need to be able to go to them and say, and share with them, this is what, this is what just happened. Mm -hmm. And you need a safe place to talk about that and express the hurt and the pain and let somebody who can listen well do that. And a pastor who knows what that's like is a great person to be able to sit and, and do that with. And so I would say that that was another thing that was crucial for me is to have someone, a safe person outside of our church. Mm Out, it, and ironically, when you have the person maybe you would have gone to in the church who was you thought was safe and trusted is the one that hurts you, then what do you do? Right. you got to have those people outside your church to be able to go to, I think, and, and help in, in that way. So uh, a lot more we could say on this, Jim, but, but let, would you pray for pastors uh, to find this balance well and that God, by His Spirit working in us, would, would help us Amen. all do that? Amen. Our Father in heaven, we lift up to you your many servants, and some in the pulpit and out of the pulpit in ministry and and not in ministry, but those who love others and have not had that love reciprocated and have had good intentions turned against them. Father, we pray you'd keep them from cynicism. We pray, Heavenly Father, you'd keep them from a a crippling relational paralysis. We pray, Father, that you would Keep them from so guarding their hearts that they are not open to love again. Father, aid us in having that loving vulnerability uh, to to love and to serve and to welcome others, but Father, also to live with an eye to the final day, uh, knowing that it is to you that we will give an account. We ask these mercies in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.